Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. It's my great pleasure to introduce Dr. Jenna Abel. Jenna is a clinical psychologist, a teacher, a mentor, and a spiritual midwife. How are you? I'm great. It's good to actually get to see you in person. I know. You know, we've only actually met face-to-face once. It was like a year ago. (laughs) It's good, though. I just knew I knew I liked you. You made a good impression. Well, you did as well, and you served also this amazing tea. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, that's it's right. When we had the, tea. that's right. I was really showing off with my tea there, wasn't I? <laughs> to the group of therapists, really trying to make an impression myself. I see. It yeah. worked. <laughs> good, good to know. Good to know. I know you're pretty much the busiest woman in our community, and by community, I mean sort of psychedelics, healers, therapists. You know that the lot, and uh, it's a great privilege to get a bit of your time. So seriously, thank you. Um, I guess there are a lot of people who need to be healed out there, huh? Um, it does seem that way. It does seem that <laughs> way, yeah. Well, look, let's get, um, I know you and I have got a lot to sort of share about because we're in the same field of work and I really want to talk about the intersection of, of um, psychedelics, integration, EMDR and all that good stuff, but I'd love to get oriented first. So can you just tell us a little bit about who you are in the world of psychedelics and what you actually do? <laughs> Wow, this could be like so many levels. This I know. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> could you just tell me who you really, really are deep down inside, please? <laughs> We're going to go in for a deep dive. That's yeah, great. so um, let's see. Well, I've been a psychologist for, hmm, I think I was licensed in 2013. So, um, you know, I've had a private practice uh, for the last however many years that is, seven years, eight years. Mm-hmm. And I was, you're in Los Angeles, right? I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. So um, what is my role in the world of psychedelics? Well, about 12 years ago, I think it was about 12 years ago. I'm pretty bad with timing, so bear with me on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a while ago. I um, started to sit in my own ceremonies intentionally, right? So working with um, plant medicines and... Was that uh, ayahuasca? It was ayahuasca, yeah. yeah. I had had some experiences with some other medicines prior, but more recreational, I would say, although, you know, I received a lot in those. Um, but my intentional work really started about 12 years ago, and it was life-changing for me. Um it was also a lot of work. I, uh, I'm really careful about 
kind of putting out this idea of a transformational fantasy. Right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what comes out right now and the articles, things people are reading, they come to it with this idea of, you know, well, I can have this one experience and it will change everything, right? Um, so I'm careful about that. Uh, so that really shifted everything for me. Um, and again, it was continued work. And when you're um, saying work, do you mean um, work to kind of understand what what happened, what what you were experiencing in those ceremonies? Yeah. So it was, you know, the going in, the preparing for the ceremony space, the being in the ceremony space, which can feel sometimes like a lot of work, uh, the coming out. Now, how do I how do I integrate this? Right. Sometimes it's, you know, more active integration. Sometimes there's a passive integration that's happening. Um, or a combination of those things. So um, I never, ever thought, oh, this is going to be something that I'm going to transition into, right, or have some kind of specialty. It was more, wow, this is producing these profound changes in my own life. Mm. And uh, what I started to notice is that as I was changing, the people who were coming to my practice were were showing up differently, uh, even the ones I'd been working with for years at that point, started to talk about things that we'd never talked about, we'd never explored, right? And um, it became much more alive for me. Yeah, I can totally relate. I don't want to stop your flow, but I do want to just add something. I found it really fascinating uh, as a therapist because I was a kind of, I guess, more of a, I don't know, traditional therapist, psychotherapist doing depth work. Um, And then I had my own parallel uh, psychedelic track. I was starting to take ayahuasca and open the box. And I remember this experience um, after ayahuasca of sitting with a client and it was a regular client and feeling completely different in a sort of relational way with a client. And it was as if that client was that much closer to me. I felt like we were much closer. It felt much more real. It felt much more connected. I felt like, oh, my job is more simple than I had been thinking. This is really like, this person is my brother. This person is my, you know, this person is me. We're all in this together. It's just a village, you know. It's it's very, very uh, like profoundly orienting in terms of the help of, you know, the work of helping another human being. Oh, yeah. Yes. And absolutely. Right. That makes it so much more present, alive, (laughs) really being in the room in that way. And I think it also it's like that dissolving of boundaries. Um, Of course, you're still upholding boundaries uh, to uphold a frame. Right. For the work. But there is a dissolving of boundaries and it becomes I, I think there's something that shifts with that inherent power structure that shows up when you have the therapist in the therapist chair (laughs) on the couch, right? And it it became naturally much more collaborative, right? And egalitarian. Mm. We're both, we're both two human beings in this room, right? Mm. So um, it was this beautiful natural shift that was happening and then I had a lot of colleagues who and who were friends as well who knew that um, I was doing my own work in this way, and they were having 
more and more, you know, clients showing up saying, asking questions. And, and so they were calling me for consultations and sometimes sending people my way. And so then it just really transitioned to, you know, probably, um, well, currently about three fourths of my private practice are people who are working with these medicines. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm really, you know, working to um, on the prep side and the integration side, right? Uh, and then I also um, consult with other therapists. I have a consultation group that I lead. I supervise uh, interns who are wanting, you know, this to be their specialization. Right, because I guess there are more and more tracks for this now to become a kind of uh, legitimate intersection with psychotherapy you can you know that increasingly there'll be ways to to be that sort of that legal psychotherapist who also can help people um go on go on journeys with psychedelics um and yeah and now it's still we're we're in kind of this this no man's land but obviously there are ways that we can do this legally and yeah and help with the with the the prep and the integration and it sounds like you've found a natural niche um and then, of course, there's so much more demand now. I mean, it must yeah. feel like from where you're sitting, like this is what every, everyone's taking psychedelics and everyone's waking <laughs> up. Or, I don't know. I, I'm putting words into your mouth. You tell me. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, yes, it does feel like this huge wave coming in. Mm. And yet I'm also really grounded uh, in the idea that this is one path of many and it's not a path for everyone. And in fact, you know, some of the people I work in, with in my private practice, um, we don't talk at all about psychedelics. That is not part of the conversation, right? So um, yet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just bringing in my own stuff here because sometimes I feel like I'm just bombarded with psychedelic. Uh, conversations and it's funny when I I spoke to my family in England about this podcast I was like I don't know if I should talk about psychedelics I mean isn't it like already just completely done I mean aren't we all bored to death talking about psychedelics they're like uh over here we don't talk about them that much you know (laughs) oh yeah and I I think there's a lot of people who are really hungry for information yeah I think so too I think so too and so so let's talk about that I mean what in general what are people coming to you um, for help with? Yeah. So, I I mean, I think I have a lot of people who come to me because they're feeling stuck, stuck. (laughs) They're feeling blocked. Um, There's a sense that there's something else, but they can't quite get there and they don't know what's kind of in the way of that. I have a lot of people I work with that come with history of trauma, uh, developmental trauma, attachment wounding, uh, relational issues. I have people coming um, who are experiencing existential crisis. Uh, I think there's a lot of that. Yeah. Especially right now, you know. And I have people who are coming because they they want to experience spiritual growth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels like um, psychedelics are kind of a, a shoe in in terms of sort of um, accelerating experiences of, of um, spiritual connection, experiences of awe, mystical experiences, 
um, being able to reach that much further, you know, if you're an existential crisis, being able to reach that much further, starting to think in a way that feels more heart centered. I mean, there are so many wonderful things about it. And I think for me as a clinician, I feel uh, where I get most kind of concerned is when it comes to sort of the trauma aspect. I think that, you know, psychedelics are a wonderful key because so often they get, you know, we get taken straight into our shadows. We get taken straight into our unfinished business, the the child parts of us that um, experience trauma that we've sort of buried or tried to bury put to one side because um you know why why kind of carry this amount of pain with us and yet we do um on a repressed level so um i guess yeah what concerns me is sort of the dives into the trauma traumatic material particularly that sort of like early attachment trauma in situations that might not be safe like you know group ayahuasca experiences are fucking wild i mean i think back to my early days where i didn't i didn't know better i just wanted to to have the experience and so i just went to some like crazy random gatherings and and then also like as a as an empath as a sensitive person then you're soaking up all this other crazy energy that's being released and and there's no real follow-up on the other side of it and i don't know i just feel like you know, stirring the pot can be so great and it has to happen if you really want to make sort of progress in terms of personal development. And yet, (laughs) you know, we really need good containers for this. I mean, the container is such a key, right? And I'm sure you've seen this. I've had so many people who've gone to ayahuasca ceremonies and I, like you, (laughs) was like, oh, okay, that's all right. I have no idea what to ask. I have no idea who I'm sitting with. I have no idea what this is. I'll just show up, right? And it's such a a potent experience. I mean, ayahuasca, what it's translated as the vine of death. And and it's all about, it's, it's about dismemberment. Right. And so what do you mean dismemberment? Dismemberment, the breaking apart of everything. Right. So we can have these experiences where everything we thought we knew we are um, around us gets completely dismembered, torn down. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there is not proper container or if it's not the right time, if it's not the right medicine that one um, is meant to be working with, right? It can create so much destabilization. I mean, I've seen people who have gone through an ayahuasca ceremony and it was very positive, you know, and yet they come out and they have this emergence of symptoms that is quite distressing and negatively impacting their life for sometimes years following. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I think you could kind of, uh, you know, you can open up these cans of worms on the one hand and not know how to deal with the worms or not have the right people around to help you deal with the worms. Um, And then there's the other side of it as well, which I wonder if you've encountered uh, that I've seen in my practice where like, you know, there'll, there'll be a couple that will come in and they'll be in total distress because they don't know how to reconcile 
the ideal image that they found when they both did ayahuasca and they saw the divine masculine and the divine feminine in each other and they <laughs> saw this beautiful picture of sacred union and they saw that they would have a child together and then, you know, cut to this like completely like out of their mind with, you know, oh, just completely perplexed, no idea what to do, miserable couple with a screaming baby and like how you know these these huge I actually think that's kind of the beauty of it that you can see these beautiful images and then you get kind of slammed back down to earth and then it's like how do we move towards these images but probably like you I had done an, really a lot of work on myself by the time I went to my first ayahuasca which was now about eight years ago even then it was so much to integrate but you know I'd done a lot of work beforehand and then people are going into this not having done any work that's right and, you know, when I um, had my first experience as well, I also had a, a supportive community around me, right, that really helped to hold that experience and helped me to, um, to integrate from that. Whereas a lot of people also, they may not necessarily have that, right? And so they're really then doing this almost in a vacuum, Um so, yeah, there, there are so many amazing things that can come from it. And there um, is also this other side that doesn't yeah. get talked about as much. I I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that we are talking about it. And I'd love to talk a bit more sort of nitty gritty about what your, you know, what, what service do you provide to really help people through this? Um, the arc of kind of, you know, deciding to do it and then, you know, integration post integration post yeah so you know i'll talk about um maybe some key elements that um i typically am going to incorporate with anyone who who comes um, my way firstly i'm going to get a, try and get a good sense of what is calling them to this type of work uh, i mean i i will typically do like a thorough intake right so history gathering and really looking at um, intentions, goals, what kind of support structure they have in place, um, what kind of work have they done prior, right? And so based on that, I'll have a good idea. Um, is this something that it could be something really valuable for this person? Mm -hmm. Are there things that are clearly contraindicated with this yeah. type of work? Like maybe there's a medical issue or maybe there's just a real lack of a support system or they're in a place where, you know, going and sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony for a weekend would really not be a good idea. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I'm really, you know, I'm really honest with people about what I'm seeing, what I'm sensing. Mm -hmm. um, and do you guide in terms of, because obviously now there's all this information floating around and I probably some accurate, some not about what's good for what, you know, um, mm -hmm. some people believe that, you know, MDMA is the, the ticket uh, for, for healing trauma. Other people would say, you know, psilocybin. Now we've got ketamine, which is, mm -hmm. you know, more of a legal modality or, or more accepted. Um, I don't know. I think there's so many different avenues. Do you guide people on that? How do you navigate that when people are saying, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, I, I do want to know what are they thinking about and what's yeah. drawing them to that particular that particular medicine, yeah. right? Um, sometimes people are drawn to something because they already have a relationship with it. Maybe mm -hmm. they've had some recreational experiences, right, with psilocybin. 
Um, so in that sense, I, I will talk to people about um, the different medicines um, and, and really if they're feeling strongly about one, um, but my, my sense is I don't know if that's going to be the, the best one for you initially, right? I, I'm going to talk about it with yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the, the question of, you know, whether or not uh, the client is on antidepressants. I mean, when people come to me to ask about this, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I guess there is a there is a world of intersection in terms of people on antidepressants starting to uh, take psychedelics or even take psychedelics in order to titrate off their medications. But because I um, am not qualified really to talk about that, I usually just refer them to a guy I know who actually um, helps have these conversations. So, yeah, I guess it's sort yeah. of like... Um, like, yeah, case management, overview, being able to find the right people who are the right, right. experts to, to right. fill in those gaps. And, and you know, really trying to also, like you're saying, stay in our lane. Stay in our lane. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because our, our lane is naturally broadening, like we discussed before, yes. you know, because we are, when we broaden, our lane broadens. And yet still, it's just a fucking lane. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll refer out. Um, but I have a lot of people that I work with who are um, on med on medications and are, you know, working with microdosing protocol. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen people have success with that? I've seen quite a few people. have mm. success with that. I feel like that really is um, one of the most exciting advancements in the in the psychedelic sort of renaissance is is microdosing i feel like that's where our sophistication is growing um and i don't know i think antidepressants are a wonderful miracle for for many people but i also think they're way over prescribed um i mean a lot of the teenagers these days like expect to be you know my teen's been like why won't you give me something i'm like you're fine she's like just give me something i'm like i know we all want something <laughs> like you give me something okay but yeah yeah i mean we're we're a very very we're a pill popping people and there's a reason for that because there's suffering and we want to alleviate suffering and i think yeah to reach for something whatever it is is the most natural thing in the world and i my hope is this sort of this process and this conversation just brings more more consciousness and more empathy to it because you know we're all we're all just trying to uh feel better and and get along you know i mean it's not it's not <laughs> rocket science in that respect we all want to to feel better and we have different opinions about how that can be achieved um okay sorry i'm getting um i'm getting away from the question which is your um just to get a sense of how you prep and how you integrate so yeah the the other thing of course i'm going to talk about harm reduction psychoeducation things like that um but if if it feels like somebody's a good fit for the work then I'll start to do um, some resourcing with them, right? And resourcing uh, is a tell, part Tell of us it. what that is. I know what it is and I love it. <laughs> tell us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm trained in uh, attachment-focused EMDR. 
So that's a modality that I use quite often, both in the prep and integration work and also in private practice work. Um, so it would be helpful for me just to say a little bit about what EMDR is. Yeah, or... please just, if you could just do all the, all the one-on-one descriptions. Oh. Sorry, heavy okay. lifting over to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I will take this on. <laughs> so um, EMDR, which stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, is um, it's a really powerful and effective therapy for, for trauma treatment. And so in EMDR, we're using this kind of bilateral stimulation, which could be eye movements, your eyes moving right, left, uh, tones in the ears, right, um, could be tapping. So it's any type of right, left movement, right? Like stimulation? Or like stimulation, yeah. Yeah. right? So it could be tapping right, left, even on the floor with your feet. Um, and so we're using this kind of bilateral stimulation along with... Um, this comprehensive approach that can help people release um, and process right feelings, body sensations, um, restrictive beliefs, disturbing images, information that's really gotten stuck um, as a result of trauma, right in the body, uh, in the nervous system. And um, attachment-focused EMDR is actually what I trained in. And that was um, a modality pioneered and taught by Laurel Parnell. And she's wonderful. She has tons of books out there. She actually has a book, I think, called Resource Tapping. Um, so a lot of what I use in terms of resourcing, uh, one can find in that book. And you don't need to be trained in EMDR to do resourcing. It's a very gentle way. And what is resourcing? Yeah, so um, resourcing is um, really helping people to identify, right? Identify certain things that when they connect into this, it can really create a sense of peace. Um, it can create a sense of nurturing in their nervous system. It can have a calming effect, right? So when we're resourcing with somebody, we're really looking for those types of qualities, right? If something negative is coming up, we'll stop and we'll see what's going on and what do we need to do? Mm. Um, so, you know, a huge value in this is it really grows the, the client's confidence in being able to begin to self-regulate, right? Mm. They have these resources that they can go to. And they feel, right, this shift in their nervous system. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it as well because it's a, it's a way of sort of honing in on the parts of life that are already working. So it might be, you know, you're, when you're with your cat, you feel really calm and you kind of take it for granted a bit or you're like, oh, I'm so glad I have my cat. But in this kind of work, then you can actually, you know, be revisiting a traumatic situation, bring in your cat, remember the calm in your nervous system. And um, yeah, it's sort of like, it's like the the gift that keeps on giving when you find these places in your imagination that kind of really work for you. And that's the other thing. I mean, I've noticed I'm I'm newer to this work. So I'm, I'm kind of really stoked because I thought at first resourcing was kind of 
a bit lame, like go to your happy place and da 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 da. Think of someone <laughs> who makes you feel happy and good. And I was like, can we just skip this bit? Seems really like lightweight and <laughs> so funny. And now I'm like, oh my god, this is fucking genius. Um, and and also in terms of how you can use your imagination, like, um, uh, one of my clients at the moment is very um. He's a very cut off sort of young man. He's he's doesn't really have a social life. He's terrified of kind of launching and he lives a lot in his imagination. He's a bit of a genius. He's kind of robotics guy. And he's, um, yeah, he can't immediately access resources, but we can find, he can kind of cobble together imaginary figures who could come in, you know, like if he revisits the chronic bullying that he suffered he can kind of imagine bringing in this kind of bionic character and Mm -hmm. and then connect with emotions like rage and and power that were kind of sublimated just to fucking survive and so yeah I mean I think resourcing is amazing it's like either find either identifying things that are already working for you in your life or imagining things creating right creating power of imagination um, because you know our 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 bodies don't know if our brains don't know are we imagining it or is it really happening? And the same thing is happening in our nervous system, whether it's actually happening or not, right? <laughs> if it's just our imagination, so our imagination is so powerful. You know, it also gives a lot of information. I've had people in the preparation, right, where we're beginning to um, have them connect into resources, right? So it might be. Um, having them connect into nurturing figures. And they've come in and let me know, oh, my childhood was great. Um, I'm really close with everyone in my family. And then you have them try to come up with a nurturing figure and there's like nothing, nothing. Mm. And it really opens people up to, wow, I didn't even realize this was actually lacking, right? Yes, yes, so true, so true. And yeah, and the categories as I remember them, at least in the training are, you're looking for nurturing figures, protective figures, wise wise figures. Yeah. And then there was one about place, right? Peaceful place, a peaceful place. So those are the basics. Um, You know, but when I'm looking at at helping prepare people for this type of work, we're going to run through those basics I may also um, do some resourcing where we're we're doing some shamanic journeying to meet uh, a, a body protector. Ooh, which how do you do that? As an animal. You, yeah, I want to. I like that. Oh, you got your yes. Right? So you, just, you guide them through a, like a visualization. Yeah, guide them through a visualization to meet their body protector. So we're really developing mm. the theme so that when they come into the experience, right the intensive, whatever their, whatever journey yeah. they're doing in that way, they have, there's a sense of feeling bolstered by this mm. team that's mm. around there that can come in and support if they want them to, right? Yeah. It's a team of, of their choosing, right? So love that. really powerful. And then the other way, you know, we can resource on, um, you know, I'll do this one a lot where, uh, I'm having them think about a time in their life where they had to really let go. They had to surrender, right? And I'll have them talk about it while they're tapping right, left, right, using that bilateral stimulation and really honing in on what was necessary, what allowed them to 
to uh, let go, right? And so this is also a way of preparing for coming into a journey where you're letting go. Mm. You know, part of the work is being able to let go and really open and and receive, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's amazing all that preparation work. And I think it, God, it makes a difference. It's so, it's so great that it you're. It makes such a difference. Yeah. People talk about it, right? When, where they've done the, the kind of ceremonies where they just show up and there's no, there's really not a container for it versus, you know, having this container and feeling so held on either end of this experience. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so great that then they can come back to you. I mean, it's as you were talking, and I was thinking about this great process in, in EMDR of building a dream team and how well mm-hmm. that works in terms of preparation for psychedelic experience or any kind of like deep dive. I was just, you know, going off on a fantasy of like, maybe we can, you know, replicate this. Maybe we can turn this into, you know, a, a VR experience or something, which is, I mean, I, I love that idea. It's so fun. Let's do it. So, okay. So <laughs> that's our next plan. So, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. We were going to create more work for ourselves. So every time I speak to you, that happens. It, keeps up. it does keep coming up. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. So there. I think it's, it's a high-class problem. So we'll do that for sure. <laughs> but, and um, there is something about that one, I mean, back to attachment. The yeah. one-on-one, you're seeing people as my get into very very vulnerable states and trust and connection is so important because we become surrogates yes we become the people who were not there when the bad thing happened or could not show up when the bad thing happened Mm -hmm. it's not that we're so great we're just someone who can be there and be loving and be non-judgmental and pay attention so there's a reparative piece, right, that comes um, through that that client therapist relationship, right? Which is also part of the it's a huge part of the attachment repair. Right? It is exactly, and that's now I'm worrying again, but this also concerns me, Jenna. Which is that you Please know the your concern. <laughs> Tell me you're worried. But the worry wart just is all over this psychedelic <laughs> stuff. I'm like, I love it, but it worries me. I love it, but it worries me. <laughs> it worries me because some of these medicines, let's talk about, for example, 5-MAO-DMT, which is a very, very strong melt of an experience. People call it like the caviar of ayahuasca, and it's a 10-minute total blast off into, gosh, I don't know, the next dimension. Um, very, very spiritual, very incredible medicine. And, but, you know, it melts you. I mean, the the last time I did it, I became a baby again. I re-experienced being a baby. And um, that was actually a mixed experience, but excruciatingly vulnerable. And, oh man, I was glad that I really trusted the guy that I did it with. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to take that medicine with someone that you don't feel rock solid about. If you're, you know, if you're about to turn yourself back into a baby and potentially bond heavily with the person who's guiding you, um, you know, that that's giving someone else a lot of power over you. So 
I feel like, you know, and we we know this to be true because we've seen it throughout the centuries that, you know, people in the helping professionals and spiritual people and anyone who's given kind of that kind of Mm -hmm. uh, power to really significantly help you um, can easily exploit the situation. So, and I don't think that just because someone has a therapist license means that they're going to be safe either not to make everyone worried but I I think we've got to really trust our guts on this yes I mean I'm so glad you're bringing this up and it really I feel like we could talk about it for hours yeah (laughs) go into yeah with it but I because we're talking about EMDR as well I'll just bring up this kind of parallel process right where there are so many therapists who have attended a weekend EMDR training and then they go out and they say I use EMDR. Mm. And so they're using this power tool tool. that they trained on for a weekend. And it's actually dysregulating people. It's destabilizing people. People are going and saying, well, I tried EMDR and it was horrible and I never want to do it again. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now I have to also own when I was new um, and more green with EMDR, you know, I had a couple sessions where They didn't go so well because I didn't quite know what I was doing, but I was in supervision. I was in consultation. And so I had that support to help then, you know, (laughs) repair what happened in those sessions. Um, But a lot of people are getting blown out or blasted out by people who are not trained really um, and don't have their own container around the work. Same thing is happening with, you know, people who are calling themselves psychedelic facilitators, right? Um, so this is where I talk a lot with people about um, questions to ask the person that you're going to be sitting with. Oh, tell us some of those. That sounds helpful. Yeah. I think it's really important to ask them, how long have they been doing this? What got them into doing this? What kind of training have they had? How would they describe the mentorship that they received? How do they view the work with the medicines, right? For example, there's a lot of people saying, I work with plant spirit. I work with plant spirit. They don't work with plant spirit. They work with the plant body. And it's all about, this is a tool, right? I'm going to give you a dosage. It's about ingesting, right? Anytime I hear those things, Mm. that's a red flag. This is not somebody working with plant spirit. It's very ungrounded, isn't it? It's very ungrounded, right? Or people who will have, um, you know, I should say this with a caveat. I think there are some people doing very good work who have standard protocols, right? Everyone that comes in, they get this dosage, they get this combination, they get this. I think there are some doing good work, but there are a lot. That's that's not good work. <laughs> right, because it's an art, not a science, because we're talking about people and everyone's different. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You give somebody one dosage, it's going to blow them out. Yeah, so and this is where the- some of the new models uh, are going to be tricky. You know, the sort of psilocybin gas stations type models that we're talking about. (laughs) It's it's helping to train our clients on what to look for. 
what to ask, what are red flags? Right. Yes, and that the, there's ultimately no greater authority than you. I mean, it's embarrassing, but it took me years to speak up again about my own sensitivity to medicine in general. So mm-hmm. I do not need as strong a dose as most people. Yes. Um, and But I used to feel sort of ashamed of this and, and had some sort of sense of like, well, if the shaman gives me a full cup, I must have the full cup and I'm weak if I don't want the full cup or whatever it was. And I remember one ceremony where I was literally hiding from the shaman in my sleeping bag. <laughs> I was like, he I know the will not know that I'm here. I will not have another cup of ayahuasca. If I do, I will literally lose my mind forever and I will not be able to be on this planet, which I would actually like to be on, uh, at least partially. So, um, yeah, and and to to advocate you know and and to say no my body doesn't feel like you know maybe it's not that you're always sensitive to medicine but maybe on that day you're feeling like it's not the day to go hard you know to being able to modulate because light can be powerful too it doesn't you don't have to whack yourself over the head and send yourself into outer space Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you go. I'm done. Yeah, you go. No, I love that. I I think so many people can relate to what you're saying because there is this perception out there. More is better. More is deeper. Do you want to go deeper? Why don't you want to go deeper? What's the, right? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And wrong with you? Yeah. 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 This idea of really helping people to feel agency, right? This is collaborative, that this is about them tuning into their body right and right exactly and being able to say what you want yes what do you actually want what do you really want from this experience um because i guess yeah i think learning to get out of this sort of system of proving ourselves which is one of the one of the toxic things that we've inherited i think is part of what's exciting about this revolution is sort of um coming home to your own sense of what's right and what's true and what's aligned instead of sort of like pressing ahead and trying to show up in a world that probably doesn't exist anyway which is you know the world of other people's expectations of how you're supposed to be (laughs) yeah you know I just did this um uh, I did a ketamine assisted psychotherapy session where Mm -hmm. I was a client because I've been training in that modality so I wanted to have a session of, you know, being the client. What is this like? What is it like to be online and doing this? Were you, do- were you doing EMDR while you were on the ketamine or no. were you just receiving? Just- no, I was just receiving. Mm, how was it? Um, so it was actually really, really beautiful and it exceeded my expectations. Ketamine was not a medicine I had felt particularly called to, Right. Um, but it is a way that uh, I can offer psychedelic assisted therapy legally, right? So, so you can do it. So if your if your client is prescribed ketamine by a psychiatrist, then you can do sessions. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I bring it up because, you know, in the session, it was a, a lovely therapist guiding this. Um, in the session, she said okay, now if you want to go deeper, take another, right? Mm. And, and she said it, it was very well-intentioned, but I could hear that again, that 
if you want to, if you want to go deeper, do mm. more, do more. Mm, the way you said it was good. It was just like a little, <laughs> had a little brief in it. Now, the other thing that, that came up in this session, which I've heard is very rare, is, you know, 10 minutes into me peeking on the medicine, the Zoom connection dropped. <laughs> so, Ooh. and I don't even know how I knew because I had the headphones, eye shades on, but the Zoom connection dropped somehow I knew, and it just kind of took over. I had to figure out now how to get back on Zoom. Now for me, that's okay. It was actually, you know, there was something really valuable about that happening. But you imagine you have, you know, someone that um, has had real attachment wounding Mm. and has a lot around abandonment, right? (laughs) And something like that happens. That's a huge break. Gosh, yeah, that makes me think you need to do another round of resourcing to sort of prepare for that, you know, everything needs prep around the edges. (laughs) Especially with, you know, there is this work, I think medicinal cannabis journeys are are happening online now as well, right? Um, So it's this interesting component when we now add this, you know, technology Right. We're adding, we're adding psychedelics and technology pretty much at the same time, because, you know, it's only really been in the last year that we've, we've are like the mental health workers on mass are online. I mean, my business has changed. I no longer have to live where I lived. I don't need to, you know, it's, it's, that's huge. And then you add this, you've got a lot of variables going on, but yeah, on the ketamine piece, I wanted to add, um, I'm really curious about your experience and, And how obviously ketamine can be used in so many different kinds of dosage doses for so many different kinds of things. But um, I've been doing EMDR with a client who takes ketamine lozenges before EMDR sessions. We'll do this every other week. So every other week we do a session and then in the intervening weeks we do a kind of integration. But we're still working within the 50-minute session which I can't believe but it's been so uh, you know with this particular client who has complex trauma it's been very hard to get into to revisit the worst stuff that happened Mm -hmm. for very good reason and what the you know even with EMDR even with the resourcing um, what the ketamine has done has just sort of brought down that level of sort of automatic anxiety it's almost like you know when we revisit these places like everything's surrounded in barbed wire and it's like you're bumping against it all the time so it's really hard to stay in the in the memory or in the you know in the process of the the emotion that hasn't hasn't been sort of released back into the system so um the ketamine has just it's sort of really helped bring that anxiety down and allowed us to get the work done stay with the memory and just clear it I mean it's been really it's been a game changer so I don't know if it's for everyone and I'm new to it but it seems really really cool I you know I'm so I've been wondering about that piece because uh, and I would assume but I don't want to assume yeah (laughs) something with something like that you're working with um a lower dose uh yeah I think it's much lower than the one that you had it's definitely non it's non-psychoactive it's more just like a it's a relaxant yeah relaxant so the yeah some of the defenses can relax a little bit right um yeah i i really get that that 
be very powerful for some people. For some people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> results right. may vary. Results may vary. <laughs> Manualized. <laughs> One way fits all. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And we don't want that. <laughs> no, we don't want that. We're, we're beautifully diverse human beings yes. who all have different different journeys. Um, all right. So so just to go back to, um, I've got a sense of the prep part of the process with you and the resourcing um, and how much care you take to make people feel um, kind of like they are um, that they have agency in the in the process. It's it's their journey. You're not the shaman telling them what to do. Um, and then on the other side, what do you what are you seeing in general? Like after people have journeyed, and how do you help them integrate? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's such a beautiful part. <laughs> <laughs> so integration. For me, again, it's most important that they're really feeling held and supported. So I know when they're journeying, right? And I will actually do my own work of holding a little space for them and their intentions, right? Separate from the work mm. that they're doing. And then um, they know they can reach out to me at any time after. If I don't hear from them the night of, I'll connect with them the morning after, um, just to see, is there anything they want to connect on, anything they need support around, anything they want to share? How are they feeling physically, right? Because a lot of times, you know, it's really normal to go through this contraction afterward. So I think it's so important that people feel supported as they're going through that con contraction because people can, um, you know, have this really expansive opening experience, downloads, insights, all sorts of things, and then they go into the contraction. So now they're feeling headache, uh, yucky, right? Some say like really exhausted or hungover. And if they're not supported through that, they can think, well, nothing really happened then. You know, it just something happened there, but, you know, I'm just going to go back to how everything typically is. So I like to offer a lot of support during that time. And they know they, they can connect with me at any time. Um, and then in the integration sessions, it's actually a lot of what happens in the prep in that, you know, they come out of a journey. And for many, like this is, this is an example, um, a young man who was feeling really, really stuck in a lot of ways um, and, and kind of had a sense there was something going on, but, but couldn't, pinpoint what was happening for him. And when we had his integration session first, I always have them just talk me through the journey, whatever they remember and adding the, the bilateral stimulation, right? Because that helps to, um, to helps this integrative process, right? Uh, and I, I heard, you know, as he's talking me through, and this happens a lot, there were, there were ways in which he was naturally resourcing himself through the experience. This was an MDMA experience, right? But he was connecting into all of these times in his life where he felt like he could be himself and he was accepted. Mm. And there were memories, there were particular people he hadn't thought about in years, right? A teacher, um, a friend's parent, right? And so it was this beautiful, none of the resources that came up when we were initially doing the prep, right? 
but all of these other resources. And then at the same time, he was able to see um, the attachment wounding in his own family of origin, how everyone was physically present, but no one was emotionally present and how alone he felt and how, um, how he felt like he had to act. There were certain things that were okay, right? Um, in, in the family system, certain, certain messaging. Um, so it was this beautiful experience of him going into these um, painful memories, experiencing the feelings associated with that. And then this moment of a, of, of a resourcing experience and then moving back into the pain and then another resourcing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, yes, that's, yes. That's that inner healing intelligence. Absolutely. I did, don't you find you, you just notice that pattern more and more. I see it as the figure eight where you go into the pain and then out into the beauty or, uh, you know, it's just modulation. Modulation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, a beautiful example. And it just feels so sort of tender and human and, and I think as I my work gets kind of deeper and grows, I, I I feel like in this sense we are the same that we have this kind of um, you know internally this sort of fragility and vulnerability, and it really isn't as simple as you know your parents were together or they weren't together mm-hmm. or you know this bad thing didn't happen or it did happen. Mm-hmm. It's the meaning that we make of it, and um, that is a that is a tenuous thing. You know, it's not a it's not a given there's nothing sort of very solid in the in the equation when it comes to humans um but there is this so there's this sort of tenderness and this susceptibility to being kind of misguided and making up stories that don't serve us and and then there's also this beautiful kind of resilience and and creativity that we all have that we can find ways to tap back into yes i think that's what i am Wow, just so blown away by again and again and again is people's resilience. And, and like you said so beautifully, their creativity, right? That if, if just given the space, right, it's, it's just there. It's ready to emerge. Mm. It's ready to move, move someone towards more healing, more wholeness, what are your hopes for the future, both in terms of your own work and for this kind of, what should we call it, mental health revolution? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a big question. Well, I think in terms of my own work, probably weaves into my more overall, you know, vision and hope, which is... Um, you know, my hope and vision would be that these sacred medicines are held and offered uh, with respect, right, and integrity, and that they become more accessible um, through legalization, uh, through being, being made available to people who are in underserved communities or marginalized communities, through... Um, you know, good training and training of um, BIPOC facilitators. There is a lot emerging around this. And so seeing um, BIPOC 
in um, positions of leadership, I think is really, really crucial. Mm. So I really want to support that. Um, I think it's important that there's a, a multimodal um, approach to this and it doesn't get co-opted by uh, one particular modality, right? We've got the medical model, the psychological model, the shamanic, the indigenous models, right? I think it needs to be multi, uh, multimodal. Um, I think this way of working offers a gateway for, for potent individual um, and collective healing at a time of really great collective suffering. And I, I mean, I personally believe that we're headed towards a, an evolutionary leap. <laughs> and in order for that to happen, we have to, we have to endure um, old, outdated systems and structures and beliefs and conditioning breaking down. And we're seeing that. We're in it. We're feeling it. We're experiencing it. And it can feel, it can feel chaotic. It can feel um destabilizing right in a lot of ways but i personally feel a lot of hope that this breaking down is really leading to a collective waking up i completely agree with you i think uh yeah endurance is a great a great word to flag in terms of the create uh collective breaking down and and uh yeah my dream is that we learn in this sort of interim period <laughs> Uh, before the next evolution fully fully kicks in to sort of surf the broken pieces oh, yeah. together joyfully <laughs> together 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 my dear yes absolutely. <laughs> yes I'm here for you Jenna yay <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for you thank you yes. love I know you are and I really appreciate that thank you so much for showing up today I loved our conversation thank you me too it was really an honor to be here with you Great questions. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, darling.